and welcome to yet another installment of Frivolous Gravitas. With me today is Jordan Roy, and I'm your host, Christopher Driver, my co-host, Jordan Roy. Today we'll be guided by uh, Jordan frivolously, but with much gravitas, to explore some more thoughts and ideas on history, historical perspectives, and their significance of, uh, and the significance of keeping our past to help us uh, scuttle forward. So with that, I will let Jordan take the helm and uh, eagerly await in anticipation where he's about to take us. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to take us too far into the past, actually, because a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of what uh, I've seen as and what's taken by me as um, obvious as to the usefulness of uh, of history is kind of treated as a curiosity or a novelty by the rest of society. So, oh, it's like that one time in 1066 or uh, this or that trivia that is interesting in the way that, um, you know, uh, any form of entertainment is interesting. It doesn't serve a purpose really beyond that other than a conversation piece. Um <clears throat> And to look into it would often be uh, gauche uh, in certain uh, social situations because there is a time and place for everything. You don't need to be deep in every interaction just to prove to people that you're, um, you know, some kind of intellectual juggernaut. Uh, chances are, you know, if you're doing that, you're probably not. Um, so, uh, but um the usefulness history though it does seem very uh frivolous in itself so it's this eccentricity that we can engage in uh we can have a few um chosen elite sit around swirling brandy uh this 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 thing that we can do if we have money left over from the the budget or this or that but it actually uh so to me, though, it's a lot more than that. It serves a societal, a uh, as well as an individual uh, purpose, which we will start to get into today. I hope we come to a good conclusion. Um, but there are a few things that uh, we can look at. So the first is that it serves... Um, everyone uh, across all uh, time periods. So it serves us by uh, on the individual, by helping us create a better future, by you know, looking into the past. Um, it serves us in the present by giving us uh, insight into our own lives. People that have lived before uh, made been in similar situations to us and we can we can learn from their mistakes or their wisdom and make ourselves better. And it serves the past as a way of honoring those that came before and in turn, in the hope that we will be remembered and honored when we pass. Um, if not worthy of honor, then at least remembered. Um, which is really all that's left. Uh, 
So it serves a purpose just like, like any other aspect of society, in my opinion. So you have a doctor who, 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 who mends wounds. You have, you know, a policeman that keeps peace. These are very, uh, present, um, centric focuses. Uh, history actually has more of a focus, I would say, in the future as you are writing something and exploring the past to push it into the future so people can know it uh, now and later. Um, and you're talking about like historical objects of reference too, not just like well, Yeah, so everything. And, so and stories, uh, just um, data history. So like the remnants, like uh, you get just someone's information goes into the future. And now we know that that person existed. Um, but then if we have their stories, that's even better. If we have their artifacts, then we can understand them. You can, you can, you can pick it up and be like, okay. Uh, you can attach closer, a story to the artifact closer. in that sense, right? Um, and it's, it's there if you want it. And the more we do it and the better we do it, the, I think it's a reflection of, how healthy the society is um and i will uh so for before i get into it um uh the specifics of what i'm talking about um i want to say that i'm not going to get very political i know i've been shy of it before uh though there are time and place like everything else i guess um but um suffice it to say that history when political in my opinion is poor history i i know you postmodernists think well everything's historical everything is political well the person who coined that phrase was joseph goebbels in 32 so well have fun with that uh context helps yeah <laughs> so everything's political if we make everything political we can problematize everything and it's literally Goebbels playbook. Um, so I'm going to be staying away from that because part of looking at history is uh, being uncomfortable with what's going on in it. Uh, and so if I'm political saying they shouldn't have done this, they shouldn't have done that. Well, I, it, it, that's something you can do, but that's not where we're going to go. We're going to look at history as a practice in itself. Um, so today we're going to sort of explore it objectively instead of subjectively then. I yeah. Guess. So yeah. why history itself? Like, why would we even do it? What's it, what's its use? What's, um, and how do we treat it as a uh, society as well? So we're going to be looking at a few, uh, uses as well as a few names, um, mostly quotes, but, uh, that you've all heard and, uh, we're going to dissect them a bit, but mostly we're just going to look at, um, what it means so the first thing um is the i think that we can get into is the practical yeah that's a good idea so when i say practical history um a lot of what i mean is archives stuff that you can go in i need to look at the records blah blah blah, blah. uh you know um my landlord asked about you know, oh, this place is built weird. I don't know where all the wiring, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, go to the archives. They have the records of the plans for this building, your building, uh, there. Just go in, ask them for it, tell them it's your building, and they'll help you. Um, so you have this practical aspect of history there. So, but as well, you have a, um, practically you have this, 
this record of stuff we've learned in order to not forget and historians this is part of their job even though some seem to have forgotten it i'm a storyteller it's like duh we're all storytellers but uh we learn things in society we have all this progress we've done and it's not set in stone that we will remember it we can forget things there's been instances in history because we've done history the way we've seen that people have forgotten technologies they've forgotten stories they've forgotten um <clears throat> uh where they came from um the uh example of this would be the people of um tasmania who got cut off from mainland australia and they they forgot certain technologies and they had stories of this and that they didn't know they were from Australia, uh, generations and generations and generations later. But the um, the Aborigines and the Tasmanians ha ended up having widely different technologies and cultures because they were cut off. Um, and so we can forget things. Now, um, an archive keeps them, but then if no one has access to the archive, then it's just, you know, a hidden vault. We need Indiana Jones at that point to go in and, you know, rescue it or something. I don't know. So steal it. You mean, <laughs> sorry, steal it. You mean you need yeah. Indiana Jones to go in there and steal it. Yeah. Well, steal it from oblivion. At least if no one's hoarding it, then there's no point to the, like if no one's reading information, then there's no point to the information really. Um, if it's waiting to be, read then that's a different thing it's just oh i'm sitting here in the library just waiting for someone to pick me up that's better than oh i'm sitting here in the library a locked library and no one's ever going to come in no point to that <laughs> um unless you look at metaphysical things like you know pharaoh's tomb who's entombed so that you know in some later time or some later dimension their soul will be taken with their dog and their wife and their eunuchs to uh the afterlife or something but that is um that's a metaphysical mechanism we're not really looking at that so um it preserves that which we've built and learned uh so that we don't have to learn it again which is imagine having to do uh the manhattan project again or relearn uh antibiotics or uh we it'd be terrible if we had if we needed another newton it, it, these are things that we don't want to have to spend hundreds of years figuring out again yeah um if we lost the technology to the transistor i couldn't even imagine uh, <laughs> so um these things these things that we take for granted um are kept in our heads in our minds by experts but if these experts die we require memory institutions which are essentially backups uh to society um and they serve different purposes we talked about archives in our first episode and um how they you know save the primary source data and then you have libraries which save which are a repository of access really. So, you know, I need a book. Okay, here's the book, go, go read it, go off. But it's a way to disseminate this information. Then you have museums, which are uh, collections of artifacts that they put on display for you. The museum is the collection, not the display. 
looking at mm. Hugh Human Rights Museum. <laughs> you don't have a collection. <laughs> You're not a museum. Oh, I should totally right. pop up a picture of that during the... Uh, yeah, maybe. it's a gallery. So um, these are things that we have in our societies that it's like, you know, it's a nice date to go to the museum, yes. But um, it's also a uh, display of that collection, that part of history. And uh, which does become political, yes. But uh, aside from that, it's these are one of the, um, what do you call it? Uh, it's a mechanism. It's a technology that we have to pass information forward. Um, now, the other thing is to know what happened. Um, because we have all this stuff. We have all these stories of the past. But how do we know what happened? So you can say, oh, Napoleon did this and that and the other. And it's just like, okay. But if we look at the truth, which is kept in the archives, what were what was actually happening on the day? What was what did all the reports from the uh, the campaign say? Uh, and this, and you can get an actual story, uh, a history of it, rather than just a um, story. So you're talking about like building a tableau from all all known things already, even if they're unrelated, to see sort of paint a picture of the the landscape around the subject. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Your audio just got way better there. I think it might have been on my end. I'm so sorry. Oh, no problem. Uh, so sorry about that. Um, could you rephrase that? <clears throat> oh, for a what what you were saying is um gathering information about other things of the similar time is sort of. I was asking if that's sort of like building an environment around the subject to sort of get some better picture of it. Yeah. Like you could have a picture of a car, so but if you put it on a road with houses around it, you just get a better idea of how cars were used in that time period. Right. Well, history of cars is not, we don't, everyone's interested in history of like the big hot topic items right now, but like history of cars is a valuable history. History of transportation is there's people that, that uh, do history of, you know, uh, cars. And it's not a waste. Uh, it's not a waste of a field at all. And you get that, like, uh, because history is should be taken. And I hate this word, but holistically, um, uh, because it's all such this complex mass of human activity coming at you from the past, and then you want to keep that going into the future as long as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so the the immediate effects of that are you know on our society it's like okay what uh now we're, we're talking about the practical aspects of it um so you have museum you have archives you have libraries you have um individual collections you have plaques and tombs and cenotaphs and all these things which signify uh a link to a certain thing in the past that happened and in part of its cultural memory part of it you can go deeper um they uh especially with something like um you know an actual history but then you go and you do this and it's easy to ask from there well what does this serve what 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 purpose does this serve beyond wasting taxpayer money or but well it's not taxpayer money uh, it's being funded by a private individual it's like well why didn't he spend it on the poor it's like okay or why didn't he give his money away to this or that and it's oh, not everything has to be about that plus 
it's it's a hard case to make really because these are people that are suffering right now and then you want to spend money on an archaeological dig in you know northern saskatchewan where uh there was a meeting of tribes you know you that you've figured out from some you know uh research sussing out that there was this tribal meeting here and you want to see what was going on maybe get some clues as to the society and the culture but then someone's like well people are starving in winnipeg it's like no they're freezing but um they um can i bite at that just cause yeah I'm, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean for me the, the main argument is if somebody spends money on on preserving history what they're doing is creating jobs for other people first of all they're productive jobs second of all and third we don't know when we're digging up history what things are going to be useful in the future so you have to do everything yes and uh, if you want to help the poor of the future which are going to be innumerably more of them because there will be more people is assuming we proliferate um you will help more people by preserving history today just depends on your scope and frame of view yeah so a lot of what we're doing today is playing with scope um but that's kind of the case i want to make today is not like put more money in history but we'll put more money in history when people start taking it seriously and it's not just a lie because you get this uh thread in history right now where it's like let the past die kill it if you have to and this i find extremely especially when i saw that movie uh i was just i was just uh it's disturbing yeah it was and this was like people are in there like yeah it's, it's like this deep sounding thing but when you think about it for five seconds it becomes this abominable like abomination of um idea that i really uh hate to the core <laughs> because it represents a uh kind of a willful ignorance and um a not only about history but about how you see yourself because we don't exist in just the present uh which is deep but no it's it, we, we, we hopefully we're gonna be existing in the future and if we have kids um then those people are going to look to us as their um uh their uh, like descendants um i have kids that i'm going to be their parents so they're going to look to me as their parents and to my parents as their grandparents so they're going to be looking to the past to see who they are and as we uh encounter the past we see a couple things now the first thing was a quote by um lip hartley uh from the in from the go-between where he uh he claims that the past is a foreign country they do things differently there so this is true to some extent if you've studied history but um I do take exception to it a bit and taking out of the context of the book. So essentially what he's saying is that the past has no, well, he's not saying it, but a lot of people use this quote um, specifically to say that the past has relevance only to its own context, um, which is 
one argument against history essentially that you know why are we even doing this why are we even taking this class in history if if the past is of no relevance to us there are different cultural and societal contexts they're different people they might not even be as evolved as us blah 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 blah, blah. so thus it becomes a waste of money right to do this or we can only look at our society and we should be putting more money into uh you know writing histories that uh help one political agenda or another or something like that why are we even looking at the um ancient uh um madagascar people or the uh the people of northern persia uh, after Alexander or something, uh, this is different. They're living in a foreign country. They do things differently. But the thing is, is that, and this kind of leads into my next point, is that you get this. They're all people there. It's not. It's a foreign country, but it's not another planet. So we're all still dealing with the same things. I want to find someone who I can share my life with. I want to have friends. I want to have, you know, I want to take part in the economy such that I become uh, wealthy. I want to give my descendants a, um, a, you know, a brighter future than I had. Cause you know, you have these things inside that you always have. And we have these same wants and needs and desires that everyone in history had. They're just dealing with different factors. Um, we don't really have to deal with barbarians on the, um, on the hill. But the Romans did, so they needed a Roman army. Um, well, Capitol Hill, but that's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so torn about what happened there. I don't know. Everyone, America, you're all nuts. Get <laughs> together, shake each other's hands, you know, forgive each other, and then move on. You're not do a good job. Barbarians, for real, though. Those people. Yeah, actual right barbarians. Right down to the Viking helmets. <laughs> yeah. So... And yes, don't get me wrong, these people that were attacking Rome, I don't care what the historiography says, they were, um, they didn't enjoy the same level of complexity that the Romans did, even though the Romans were quite brutal in their own right. Um, now, they're all barbarians compared to what we live today, uh, especially just if you look at sanitation. <laughs> mm. But um, The thing that that brings up is that history is an example and it's a it's a thing that we can look to in the um in the present to get a sense of the past so you know you read a story um why does the story of brutus connect to modern people so much why do people still read caesar why do people still um, look to uh, why are there so many books about uh, the Battle of Waterloo when it's not really the biggest battle, but it's this turning point and everyone took part in it? Uh, why are we fascinated with people like um, Hitler and William the Conqueror and uh, Galileo and and Socrates why are we enamored with all these folks because a lot of what they're doing and what of even though they're in a weird context living in their foreign countries uh they are acting in a way that we can still understand to some extent 
which is why we keep telling these stories over and over and over and over again, which is a story at that point. Now it becomes history when you start doing it um, with regard to the truth. Uh, so what really happens? So you have a story, uh, Julius Caesar by Shakespeare, but then you have the history uh, written by like four historians and you get a sense of it. You go see Pompeii or something and you get a sense of the history. This is when you start understanding history and not just telling yourself a story, but history is a story. And I think I'm talking in circles here because the point of it is, is that when you start engaging with history, you start like talking to your uh, grandfather who's sitting there telling you, here's what I learned. I hope you learned some of it better than I did because, man, I made some mistakes. And this is one of the benefits. And this is on the individual level, uh, maybe even on the family level. Uh, it's harder for a society to do this, but this is why we do it. One person at a time can become a whole bunch of people at a time. Sort of like applying the lessons learned from the past because it takes longer to learn a lesson than it does to take to, to learn someone else's lesson. That yeah. Kind of thing. There's a few lessons I've learned that um, uh, I was going through school and I was just I was untying the Gordian knot uh, forever for years and years and years. And then I figured it out, I finally got it out. And then, you know, a month or two later, I read a book that just essentially says what I needed to know in like, you know, a couple hours I would have, it's like, Oh, I'll get that. But now I grok that lesson and it's inside me. Yeah. Um, you definitely learn it better firsthand. Right. So what happens is I well, get that idea. It's a foreign country though. You know, if I can just tell you the answer, you're not going to learn it, but that's the thing is that if you're already wrestling with the same thing, you've definitely understood the problem. And then you read history and it's like, and then I came to this. So you, 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 you go in, you're having trouble dealing with, um, say, uh, illness in the family. And then you, you know, you just randomly pick up Marcus Aurelius and you get some, you know, stoic wisdom. And you're like, yeah, this is what I've been trying to say this entire time. This, this, this one part here. And this really gets it now. Now I, I get it too. It's like you, you are, you going through a similar problem, and the the wisdom just kind of gets downloaded, and you learn that lesson quicker because you are in the same milieu as, say, uh, I don't know, Aurelius dealing with his dumb son Commodus, uh, or um, uh, you get. Um, I didn't really understand germ theory disease until I looked at the um, John Snow's cholera epidemic stuff. And I was just like, okay, now I get this. I, I, I understand what he's talking about now. And um, these are the lessons we can learn and it makes us better people to interact with history. Um, now, this all goes for naught if you take a cynical perspective. Um, and I warn um, any viewers that we have against a cynical perspective, because yes, as far as we can tell, nothing matters, but who cares? So cheers to you, buddy. Um, so, um, that doesn't mean that nothing matters. Yeah. Uh, so 
This gets into my next quote from a guy who I really should have been reading before this, and I might be reading a lot of him after this. Um, Jorge Agustin Nicolas Ruiz de Santayana y Borjas. So, hey, well done. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. So George Santayana, who you, some of my viewers, our viewers might know, um, he is famous for quoting uh, a number of things. Uh, one is only the dead have seen an end to war, which is, uh, I'm sure that's something straight out of Warhammer or something. But um, <laughs> uh, the... Um, the the one I'm interested in here is though that which uh, he said in Reason in Common, uh, his 1905 work, where he said, "Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it." Now, this is a cliche, straight up. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> now, is it a cliche so, because uh, it's overused or misused, or is it a cliche just because it's so trite to begin with in it in its own right? Oh man, yes. Uh, both because <laughs> I feel like it's a cliche because it's it's people use it as a way to g not have to talk about history. It's mm. like oh oh, people that don't know it are are doomed to repeat it. It's like and they walk away and don't learn history. <laughs> yeah, they think that they know. It's like but, okay, cool. You found a truth. Yes, this is a truth. Um, but it's not a simple truth. Uh, it is. Um not simple at all because yes history well, actually no history does not repeat itself it um when was the last time the united states of america you know fought the nazi regime it's like no that happened once and it'll never happen again um the um ohala <laughs> Yeah, so this goes back to, it's not that simple. Um, people, the mistakes that we make are mistakes as individuals. Giving your assent to a tyrant. Um, not being there for your children, you should have been there. Um, I'm looking at you, Marcus Aurelius. But uh, actually he tried, but Commodus was beyond hope. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if you learn the lessons of the Julio-Claudian dynasty, you actually probably learn how to not be a terrible parent and aunt and uncle and, <laughs> and leader in general. Yeah. So you learn which decisions were made pop Im improperly, which mistakes were made um, and why. And then you too can avoid those mistakes. So you condemn to repeat it, which is, uh, the guy who's like, no, this isn't a, this isn't a, this isn't a problem. Let's, let's just not have to do with this. So all of a sudden the reactors measuring, you know, 3.7 rank and you're like, no, this isn't a problem at all. And then it explodes and well, we repeat ourselves on a massive scale. Um, I think that's why a common trope to that quote is used that uh, it doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. I can't remember who quoted that. Sounds but I guess the idea of a rhyme is that you're not using the same exact word, but it sounds the same. You know yeah. what I mean? So history so, doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes sort of implies that things will be similar 
And so a similar problem will keep recurring, which could have been prevented. And I don't think the scope, I think people assume that the scope is just like, oh, there's going to be another Caesar. Who's the next Caesar? It's like, you're all idiots. But uh, the, um, the, your dad beat you, not you, but like, so then you decide that that's the way that you need to treat your kid. And then that's the way they need decide to treat their kid. And it's like, you guys not learning anything. <laughs> this is just, you know, it's just a dumb kid. Like, this is how I was. So I should be able to do this. And I've heard people say stuff like that. Yeah. Um, bitter boys uh, saying like, oh, if I get students, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be so, I'm going to be such a jerk to them. It's like, cause like everyone's such a lame to me. It's like, dude, you're I, in I history class. Logical uh, aspect to that though, where like their instinct is to do the thing that was done to them. Not so much that they're deciding that it's okay, but just that it's so hard for them not to do it because it's been ingrained in them from so, from so long ago. Yeah. Like not entirely, that. it's not justifying it, but what I'm saying is I, I think it's, it's more than just deciding to hit their kid because they were hit. I think it's like instinct reaction. They hit it and then they justify it after the fact. Yeah. Cause they never actually dealt with uh, that. And they're, um, yeah. Like a lot of sexual abusers go through that too. Like they were sexually abused as kids. And yeah, I hear really- a lot of like the, the, the proportion of, um, prostitution, people in prostitution who were sexually abused or beaten is, <laughs> like yeah. um pretty near near unanimous or kids are, exposed to smoking or drug use or alcohol like when their yeah. parents do it it's just it normalizes it so much that it's harder to resist it down the road because it's just it feels right as opposed to wrong or they feel they deserve it for some reason yeah uh, i'm not sure exactly <laughs> but it's complicated like you said that's sort of what i was getting at and as we're talking right. about like integrated complexities overlapping each other and that's the importance of history is to understand those complexities right so um this is a small measure of it so these are the what i would call the practical aspects of knowing history and out of these um you know you know it so that you can not make the same mistake we maintain the knowledge that we have so we don't have to relearn it over and over and over again, you um, met, and uh, it's just, I can't imagine lo- losing some of this information. It's 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 beyond precious, um, and it's just some simple stuff like sanitation stuff we've learned about sanitation in the last two hundred years. Um, Do you think we're at risk of losing any of that? Yeah, to some extent, not at the present time, if, um, I, I think we're at risk at losing, um, some of the latest stuff kind of, it, it's hard to say. I don't want to say like, Oh, the end's coming, you know, grab a rifle yeah, yeah. go into the woods. But, uh, I think out of negligence, we can lose, um, okay. So what was I saying? You, you had two things that you were going into. Right. So we're talking about stuff and how we could lose it. Sorry, there's going to be a lot of chopping in this episode. No problem. You mind if I just like end this recording and start a new one? Yeah, we can do that. I'm gonna-